Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 72 of the What Do We Do podcast. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Ema Casanova. She's the Deputy Portfolio Manager of VanX Active Gold and Precious Metals Strategy. We're talking all things gold and investing for success in 2023. It's going to be a great show, so let's go. Welcome to What Do We Do? A podcast discussing wealth management and financial planning featuring key leaders in our communities. Hosted by founder and CEO of Great Lakes Wealth, Dewey Stefan. Tune in to hear how you can plan for and live your Your best best life. life. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the What Do We Do podcast. I'm your host, Dewey Stefan, and this is another guest episode. This is where we bring a leader in the community who has a story to tell, knowledge to share, and advice to give, and then we bring them on our show to help our entire community invest for success. Well, today's guest couldn't be more timely. Ema Casanova is the Deputy Portfolio Manager of the Active Gold and Precious Metals Strategy at Vanek. Ema, it's great to see you. Great to see you too. Thank you for having me. You bet. And if, in case you're all wondering, this is a new set. We are actually in New York City, in Manhattan, at Vanek World Headquarters, and we have Ema for the next 30 minutes to one hour to talk all things gold. Fair enough? Let's do it. Let's do it. So just so everyone else um, following along knows, Vanek is a, an investment firm that has been around since 1955, and this strategy that is a part of, the Gold and Precious Metal Strategy, known as the International Investors Gold Fund, dates back over 50 years. That's right. That's right. And there's over $600 million in the portfolio, and it volatile a little bit up and down, changes daily, like right? The whole like the whole market. And uh, Van Eck has over $68 billion in total assets under manage- management, again, depending on the day. So with that, we're going to kind of get into it. And uh, Ima, right out of the gate. What is going on with gold these days? Yeah, um, we we get that question asked a lot. I think primarily because um, everything seems to be the perfect setup for gold. You got an ongoing war. You have the highest inflation we've had in decades. Um, You've got um, uh, an economy that's looking set to to slow down, has slowed down, and could go into a recession if we're not in a recession already. So the whole setup for gold is what everybody would describe as the perfect environment for gold. And the fact that gold isn't at 2000 like it was at the beginning of the year, I think has uh, a lot of gold investors, including us, um, a little disappointed. Um, But, you know, if you look at the beginning of the year when the war did break out and when we started to realize that this inflation for last year wasn't so transitory, we did see gold respond. I get, you know, I, I, I do defend gold when they say, well, you know, has it really behaved like it should? Well, it did respond to the geopolitical tensions as a result of the war. It did respond, gold did trade to all-time highs at the beginning of the year. What we've seen more recently is that that sort of war premium um, has basically evaporated. And we did trade, you know, we had been trading that 1800 level for a while. And um, we did, at the, in September, Finally, after many rate hikes by the Fed, 
uh, and more importantly, after a very, very strong U.S. dollar this year, the dollar has reached, you know, 20-year highs, gold, we might succumb to the strength of the dollar. And we did see gold drop below 1680, which was sort of our technical level. Um, you said the, the timing was right today, for the, I'm assuming for the obvious reasons, and that is gold did bounce back last week. And after falling in what was a more bearish trend, it looks like we might have jumped back into a longer-term bull trend for gold, which really has been in place since 2016. Um, so that's kind of where we're at now. Is gold not responding to inflation? I think gold is responding to the fact that the market thinks the Fed has inflation under control and that the rate hikes will achieve the result of bringing inflation down and therefore we don't have inflation to worry about. If you look at the forecast, the expectations, inflation expectations, market has inflation coming down rapidly next year. We think that's a little optimistic and that is why we think there is room for gold to go higher from here. We are back above 1700 today after last week's move. Um, so a perfect example, as soon as we got the CPI report, that showed inflation was coming down a bit, which means the Fed might slow down the pace, gold responded. And uh, my whole thesis is that gold might trend higher, even ahead of a Fed pivot. Everybody's waiting for the Fed pivot. Fed pivots, gold goes higher. In the past tightening cycle, the gold rally ahead of the Fed pivot. I think there's opportunity for that to happen again. Okay. Well, Ima, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into the weeds. So for all of our listeners, all of our viewers out there, this is our third podcast episode on gold. We did one in season one, which was an overview explaining the history of gold uh, and precious metals. So please go back and check the podcast from season one. And then we did a season two update talking about more strategic um, opportunities within gold and the precious metal space. Okay. So now here we are towards the end of 2022, heading into 2023. And Ema just kind of went through a bunch of different things, um, maybe a little technical, but talking about the Federal Reserve, inflation, the strong dollar, all these things. Right. Well, I'm going to throw you some curveballs along the way, and we're going to work them through. Okay. Yeah, I'm, the, and I'm happy to to deconstruct that in a way that it's you know more easy to understand. I, I, awesome. And so, for all of our listeners and our viewers, we're going to go back though and start with the basics of gold. And right now, we're going to talk about gold, the metal. And then we'll talk about gold stocks or gold derivatives or other ways to get invested, okay? So everyone get your pad of paper and your pen or use your tablet and start taking some notes. But to start about gold, the metal, okay? Um, the reason it's been around for centuries is because it has some very simple characteristics that um, you and I and potentially anybody who's investing in it um, looks to, um, whether for the short term, medium term, or long term. So why don't we talk with maybe what are those, you know, three main or whatever the main are um, characteristics of gold that make it an investment worth considering no matter what. Yeah. Gold serves um, a role in a portfolio for different reasons. Um, let's start with the fact that gold, everybody thinks of gold as a commodity, and it is, but it really is more of a currency. And historically, it's been basically the same as, as money. Gold is also a reserve asset. So central banks like holding it to diversify their, their reserves. 
um, gold is held to protect a portfolio when things aren't going great in other investments. Uh, gold is a portfolio diversifier. Where we come from, we call that store of value. Yes. Is that right? It's, it's a, a store, store of value. value. Okay. It's a safe haven. It's a store of value. When markets are nervous, when nobody knows what's going to happen, or what could come when there is uncertainty, uncertainty, when there is heightened financial risk, owning gold has proven to be a good option. Um, it's insurance. We have health insurance, life insurance. Your portfolio needs some insurance, and gold can serve that role. Um, if you hold gold in a portfolio, your risk, it does prove to improve, it, it improves risk-adjusted returns, which is another benefit. Um, and, and during inflationary periods, if you look at how gold behaves relative to other asset classes, gold does really well. So these are the traditional, the classical, the historical reasons why people want to own gold as a safe haven, as an inflation hedge, as uh, portfolio diversifier and insurance. Okay, Ima, appreciate that. And for all of those listening and uh, viewing, again, uh, we want to thank you for tuning in. We have over 50,000 downloads of the podcast and over 1.5 million total social media views. And as we always say, we're just getting started. Okay, so listen, along those same lines, there are those out there that are anti-gold. I don't know, uh, if you like gold, you're a gold bug. If you're anti-gold, I don't even know, is there a name for those that are anti-gold? Yeah, I don't know. I know the gold bugs. Okay, uh, right. So, but there are some people the out gold there. Skeptical. Yeah, the gold skeptics. Okay, yeah. and so you know they talk about things that again um, that doesn't pay anything with dividends. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to carry around, and yeah. um, the people that invest in gold aren't even holding actual commodity; they're holding piece of paper. So, can you just kind of uh, you know talk about um, how you um, defend gold in a conversation yeah. against those that are kind of sophisticated and tell you that it's not worth uh, owning? Yeah, it's, it's valid uh, points, and this is exactly, it's a good setup for what we're seeing today. Interest rates are increasing. Uh, in high, higher interest rate, gold is true. Gold, the bullion, does not pay an income. It doesn't generate income. Um, when, high, when interest rates are higher, then the cost of holding that gold is higher, um, which is why as interest rates rise this year, uh, with the Fed bringing them up, Gold puts pressure on gold, and that's a valued argument. It's a, it's a, it's an argument that I, it's understandable. Um, the, the key thing to remember when we're talking about rates and why do I hold a metal that doesn't, um, you know, give me any income is what's happening on the inflation side. So yeah, rates are four, three, whatever the ten years somewhere around four uh, today. But where is inflation? Inflation is somewhere close to eight percent. So really, real rates are negative. Um, and gold has historically been a really good asset to own in environments where real rates are negative. So that, to me, it's pretty straightforward and easy to understand. Now, there is, of course, the issue that how do you invest in gold? The good news is that you no longer have to go buy a, a gold bar or put it under your pillow and then you worry about insurance. These days, you can buy if you put it under really, your pillow, it might, you know, hurt yeah. your head a little when you sleep, <laughs> unless you got a really fluffy pillow, but I well, got gotcha. you. but you have peace of mind. Yes, peace of mind. I like that. Absolutely. Um, so you do sleep better with a, some under your mattress. Yes. Put it under the mattress, yes. not the pillow. Yes. Um, but the point being, today you can buy the Gold Bullion ETF, and you don't have to worry about 
And obviously, when you look at the trading activity, when uh, gold and how gold behaves, really the 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 uh, the birth of the gold bullion ETFs it's it's a marking point for the gold market because now you, me, anybody can go in their in their platforms and buy uh, technically buy gold, and so that takes care of the the issue about. I mean, there are some people the gold bulls still do prefer under their mattress or in a vault. But for the broader markets, for the broader retail investor, the gold bullion ETF takes care of insurance, takes care of storing it, uh, portability, and tr liquidity, right? You can, it's as liquid as any other stock. And so um, the, while the fact that bullion doesn't generate any income is obviously a problem, you've got to look at what environments you're holding that gold and for what reason you're holding. And like I said, in an environment like today's, uh, when real rates are technically negative, uh, it, it has not proven to be beneficial. So year to date, roughly, what is the bullion um, down? Uh, so we were down before last week over 8%. Bullion bounced over 5% last week. So we're sitting around 1770. I think that's like 3.5% from when we started the year. So all things considered, not too bad. Uh, considering you know everything else that's happening in the broader market. Yeah, so I'd like to touch on that point. So um, we uh, invest for clients, and we have dialogue um, across Wall Street always about all these different asset classes. And we'll talk down the road uh, on today's show about how much gold uh, potential investors should have in their portfolio. Uh, but as it relates to the price of gold, and these are conversations that I was having um, with clients um, a few months back. So gold might have been down 8% on the year, but at the time, the Dow was down, the bond market, the ag bond was down 15, the Dow was down 20, the S&P was down 25, and the NASDAQ was down 30 or 35. So um, um, they were saying, well, gold should be up because it's every, it's a store of value, right, and it's a hedge against inflation. So how come it's down 8 when everything else is down? It's, it's no better than this other stuff. And so um, you, you understand that argument, but as you look a little bit more into it, right, and you realize that, hey, um, compared to these other um, asset classes, it truly has, um, you know, protected it's versus... Hold, it's holding up well. Yeah. When you look at the S&P, when you look at, um, and even when you look, so if, if, if one thing for those that might not be as sophisticated when it comes to gold, there's a very strong cor negative correlation between the U.S. dollar and gold. Yeah. The strongest of correlation. If you ever want to try to guess what's going to happen to gold, if you can guess what's happening to the U.S. dollar, probably the opposite effect on gold. And to your point, up until mid-June, dollar was up, I don't know, 15%, and gold was holding flat, which is amazing considering the, negative, the very strong historical uh, correlation between the two assets. Now, that correlation did come back in full force in the third quarter, and we, we saw gold drop. Uh, but all, it, it, because it is an inflation hedge, because it is a geopolitical safe heaven, it, I think we saw the, the trading, the price action we saw during the year. I understand that, and thank you for sharing. So this is where I, um, I'm going to challenge you a little bit, okay? And so for our viewers and our listeners out there, um, this is a year where everything except for uh, the price of the price of oil, 
except for crude, has in the dollar. So the only assets that are basically up on the year would be the U.S. dollar and maybe a barrel of oil, fair? And maybe the, the oil Some stocks. Commodities. Few commodities. Yeah. And just not gold quite yeah. as much, yeah? But so um, my argument is this, or my question, I guess, mm-hmm. is this. Um, if everything is down on the year, then when um, the Fed uh, reduces inflation, because the Fed is the one that uh, caused it, and it was probably the U.S. Treasury or who knows, the government, in general that caused this mess of inflation, okay? But now they're um, going to take it away. And I'm being sarcastic, but they're magically going to reduce the stresses of inflation. And so, as you said, gold has rallied. Well, the stock market has rallied as well. The Dow was down 20%, and now it's down only 8%. So my question would be, if everything is moving up and down in tandem, and there isn't really any uh, diversifying, um, you know, spectrum, then why don't we for now take all of our money and put it in the most risky asset class? Maybe that's the NASDAQ or something that's down. And this would maybe be into the gold and precious metal stocks because they may be down more than 8%. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of them are. Um, So A, my question for investors that you know, that we're talking to and looking to try to give a little bit extra value to is recognizing if everything is going to reflate in terms of the prices, then why do we need to, again, have the, let's just get in, let everything reset, and then we'll sprinkle our assets all around. What do you think? Well, the, the, it's, you have to form an outlook, right? Is everything, is the Fed going to bring inflation down and then everybody is going to come back to 2% by the end of next year? And then everybody's just going to go business and going to continue to grow. Rates are going to come down um, because the Fed's going to ease them and the economy never enters that recession and off we go. Yeah, if that's your scenario, yeah, you should have buying before this last bounce, right? Less buy. Everybody wants to buy uh, low, sell high. Buy the dip, sell the rip. But how hard is it to do that? It's very hard to time the markets, any market, especially the gold market. Um, So it depends on your outlook. My outlook um, is that inflation won't come down as rapidly as uh, the market is anticipating. And and the fact that it won't come down will keep the Fed committed to their tightening programs and to higher rates. And even if they stop hiking, sustain higher rates to try to bring inflation down. And when you look at the data without getting too heavy, I know you don't want me to get too heavy, but if you look at historical uh, um, data, once inflation gets above 4%, we're at 8 now, somewhere around 8, it takes a long time across any economy to bring it down to that 2% target. Oh, maybe the Fed goes and changes the target, right? I've read that too. Well, maybe the new target is 4%. But regardless, we're going to be in a higher uh, inflation environment for a while. And that the, the, what I think people forget is that that requires higher rates, and higher rates put a lot of stress. I don't know if you guys covered or saw what happened in London with the pension funds. They had some instruments. I won't get into that, but the higher rates really hurt and almost broke those funds, those pension funds. And because of the, the higher rates, the, the bonds uh, yields increasing. We don't know what other cracks in the financial system could come about because of this higher rate. We haven't had higher rates for how long? We're used to zero rate. We're used to negative rates in some parts of the world. And so what does those higher rates, what do those higher rates do, Dewey? <laughs> and, what do those rates do, Dewey? <laughs> and, and then, two, the debt. 
we're this this world, this whole uh, the global economy is consumed in debt, household debt, corporate debt, sovereign debt. Guess what? As rates go up, the cost of service in that debt goes up, and it's gonna be it. It could put so much strain in households and governments that you know what what does that look like? And so yeah, it's easy to say inflation comes down, the Fed's revert, you know, turns the corner, starts easing, and the economy grows again. But it, it is uh, hard for us to see that in the next 12 months. That's a rosy scenario. And yeah, in that environment, perhaps gold wouldn't thrive. Uh, we just think there's a lot of uncertainty. And that's a great answer because uh, the reality is that there are many people out there that actually say this is nothing more than a bear market rally with the equity markets, the second one of 2022, and that we're setting ourselves up for this cataclysmic collapse, that all the money being printed around the world, this stuff called fiat currency, have you heard of this? Yeah. Paper, light it up and burn it, baby. So if that's the scenario, then... Uh, what I just said about the markets all moving higher, this is short-lived. And so we'll talk about on a different episode about whether you should uh, be investing now or holding now or selling now. But as it relates to gold, if we did have a scenario where the market, again, turns a bear market rally into a uh, another leg lower, is gold going to follow that leg lower? Is gold going to become that store of value? And what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the price action this past week is telling because, yes, everything came up, including gold. You got to go, why? And it's not always obvious, you know, what the reasons why, why the market goes up. And sometimes it goes up and it goes down on the same day and we're all scratching our heads. But gold traded up over, I mean, perhaps back in that, longer term bull trend last week because the market is anticipating the Fed pivot, pause, reverse. Low, a little bit lower inflation means that's, that's closer and that's positive for gold because then rates won't keep increasing. Uh, the markets had a similar reaction because obviously higher rates, as I just explained, are, you know, are not good for anybody. And so what happens next when the market trends up again? We've got to figure out why <clears throat> it is doing that. Um, obviously, everybody's we've got to watch the economic uh, numbers. We got a little bit of a turn in inflation. Let's see what happens with the labor market. That's the other one that the Fed's going to be watching and that we should be watching to see what may happen. It's been a very strong labor market until we see more weakness. Then the Fed won't read that as you know things are still strong enough. We got to keep the pedal. To um, in in the in the tightening, so um, and then you got to look at again what happens to oh, we got a reporting season. It was not a a strong reporting season, you know. Businesses are feeling the the pressures, and um, that will continue as long as we're in this environment. So it's hard for me to be bullish on our markets. Um, I think you don't, like I said before, you don't try to time exposure to gold. You buy, if you own, want to own gold and you want it in your portfolio, you get it and you sign off, get it and forget it. It will do what it needs to do for you in the longer term, um, unless, you know, you're a day trader and want to play that game. But overall, uh, investors should just not try to time gold, but own it and trust that it will display the characteristics it has played historically for a portfolio. 
We always say diversification matters. Don't have all your eggs in one basket and know what you own and why you own it. And gold is considered a part of the alternative asset class. So um, with that, again, check out some of our prior podcasts about our uh, views on diversification using gold. Before we move on and talk about silver and maybe even the stocks and other parts of the um, precious metal space, uh, Van Eck has been investing in gold for over 50 years. You are known in the street as one of the experts in the space. Do you as a firm, or EMA, on you as a wild <laughs> child within the firm, do you have a price target on, on gold for the next, you know, I don't know, six months to a year, longer term targets? I've heard some gold bugs out there telling uh, me that when all of the rest of the uh, issues of the day uh, show their head again or continue to show their head that you could see gold not just at 2500 an ounce or not even back to just the 2000 an ounce but 2500 3000 i've heard five thousand dollars an ounce yeah. and beyond um what do you think about this I, i've seen all kinds of valuation frameworks that put gold if you do it to backing central bank money supplied okay it, it it can be uh quite um uh quite the large numbers i i i personally the way I, I see gold in the shorter term, um, you know, gold, I think it's consolidating in this range, 1700 so, you know, today we're at 17, well, last time I checked, we were at 1770 somewhere around 1700 even maybe it, it might trade down from here a little bit to 1650 but I think what we saw in September is that even though we had a bit of a, what could have been a free fall, gold held, and it held because there's a lot of demand out of uh, physical demand uh, and jewelry demand out of China and India. And guess who is buying gold too? Central banks. Q3, this third quarter, the central banks purchased record uh, amount of gold, 400 tons in the quarter. So that's providing a floor for gold prices. We need investment demand to pick up to see gold rally. And I think that that levels, you know, we were at 13, 1400 for a couple of years in the, in the beginning of this bull market. We jumped to 1800 Maybe we're going to be at 1600 1700 for a little while in the shorter term. Because of all the risks I described earlier, debt burden, inflation not being stickier, more persistent for longer, I think a lot of risks in the financial system and in coming recession, not just in the U.S., but in globally, that positions gold to trade higher in the longer term. You know, longer term to me is, you know, six. 12, 18 months out. And, um, you know, for a number, I'm not going to do the gold bug 3,000. Get your recorder. <laughs> get your recorder out. Write this down. But I think there is uh, plenty of opportunity to for gold to trade back to the all-time highs of 2075. Could it go much higher, higher than that? Of course. Um, but I, I I think let's let's walk before we run. I think you know, to set that as a longer term target, it's very realistic considering we were already there. And to me, it's, you know, it's pretty easy to see that in, like I said, in the next 12 to 18 months. Okay. So uh, before we move on from gold, one final question. What about gold in non-U.S. denominations? So gold, ex-U.S. dollar, I've heard it's up on the year. Yeah. And so when we're talking about gold being down, that's um, in invested with U.S. dollars. Is that correct? So how do uh, our viewers and our listeners play that? Or do they just have to buy, you know, a mutual fund or an ETF or some third party? 
early investment to take advantage, or perhaps that's too late. Now you want to have it in U.S. Yeah, dollars. I mean, unfortunately, gold trades in U.S. dollars. It's just how that's why also the correlation is so high between the U.S. dollar and gold because the higher the U.S. dollar, the more expensive it is to buy gold in other currencies. So yeah, indeed, when people say oh, gold's performance has been horrible. Well, yeah, here for us U.S. dollar holders, if you look at the performance of gold in basically any other currency, it's been pretty phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, those people in India and in the U.K. and in Europe in, uh, that were holding gold, they're, they're pretty happy right now, especially with what's going on in their economies. So um, it's, um, it's, it's something important to keep in mind. And again, it just highlights the the correlation between gold uh, and and the dollar. Fair enough. Okay, we're going to move on to silver. Okay, we're not going to spend that much time on silver. Silver is the dirty cousin of gold. And I'm just kidding, of course. But a lot of our clients, a lot of people that we talk to, actually say they like silver over gold because it has utility, whether that's for these catalytic converters or car parts or that it's part of, you know, computer chips and the electronic um, infrastructure um, ecosystem, et cetera. So what are your thoughts on silver and maybe even going to copper? Yeah, um, silver is, as you mentioned, it has a much larger industrial component in in the demand. Yeah, gold has some technological applications, but that doesn't really move the needle. You need your investment demand, you need your jewelry demand to to get, and a lot of jewelry demand is investment demand. Uh, Silver does have all those applications that sort of... um, in, a, in an environment where, where we have a strong economic growth, you could claim silver is, could outperform gold because it has that component. Um, in general, and we saw it last week and we, sh- we, we, we see it historically, silver follows. It is the cousin. It, it's the little cousin. It follows gold. So gold was high, uh, higher last week and so was silver. Uh, what we have seen at least this year and for a while now is that silver has been underperforming gold. And that's a good setup for silver because we do expect that in a gold rally, um, silver might catch up and actually start to outperform gold. Okay, fair. Um, we'll move on then to investing. So the portfolio that you're a part of has over $600 million going up and down, $100 million a day based upon <laughs> deposits and the fluctuations of the yeah. space. But I know that it's not all invested in gold bullion or silver dollars. You've got equities in there, right? So maybe just talk about what is uh, the makeup of the portfolio yeah. in the general sense, but again, with the, what options you have to invest in and what you're looking at now for this coming gold rally after we kind of pause here at the $1,800 mark for a while. So yeah, our fund has historically been very much a gold equity fund, almost 100% invested in the equities. We do have the ability to invest in bullion, and at times we do. When we're feeling a little bit more defensive, we might put bullion in there. What's important I guess for investors and the audience to understand is that um, the gold stocks have leverage to the gold price. So to put it simply, if gold is rallying, the gold stocks are probably going to rally at two times the same rate, but it also works on the way down. So if gold is dropping, then the stocks will drop two, three times as much. And so because of that that behavior between the, the metal and the equity, um, you know, if you're feeling 
like gold might just be dropping or be quiet for a little bit, you could outweigh your bullion exposure versus equity. For us, uh, tr uh, historically, the fund has been a gold equity fund. Um, today, we own somewhere around 50 gold stocks from across the market cap spectrum. So that's uh, starting with the guys that are just trying to find the gold and develop a mine. The gold speculators, is that right? Yeah, these are gold, I guess you could call them explorers. Gold we explorers, we, we, okay. We, have, we don't have really own a lot of explorers. We have more developers. Okay. So these are companies that already identified a deposit, have drilled it enough to know that it's there. Now they have to prove that it's, that it's big enough to justify the economies of bringing it. Is, are they also called mine. junior miners? Or is yeah, that so the juniors would include the developers, and then there okay. are some producers that are small enough that we still consider them juniors. So we got our portfolio is made up of junior developers and producers, mid-tier companies, um, and then your large caps. And then the other sort of equity space would be the royalty and streamer, streamers. So these are companies that do not have their own mines, but they own little pieces, 5% here, 10% of the production of the, of the producers, of the operators. And um, we have exposure to the, um, that part of the uh, market as well. Um, so it's, like I said, pretty much fully invested in gold equities. We um, have, are sort of prepared for the next leg, and we, you want to be in the equities if you want to, you know, uh, get those returns. Is it only gold equities, or can you put silver equities and other? Uh, from my understanding, a lot of the miners actually mine more than yeah. one metal. Yeah. So the, the all the gold companies, not all, but a lot of them do mine silver, copper, even uh, zinc and lead. Uh, the companies we own, the primary source of revenue is gold. But we do have companies that we would consider more silver companies in the portfolio. Our exposure is it's lower than it has been historically, I guess, today. Uh, but yes, we can invest in silver as well. And, and we invest in copper in that some of these companies do produce 15, 20% of their revenues are copper. But right now we don't have a true copper, primary copper exposure. So it's very much uh, gold uh, companies with some silver exposure. And then, like I said, uh, we do have um, a good portion of the portfolio in the royalty and streamers, which in this environment of high inflation are protected against cost pressures. So they, they, sh they tend to outperform. So in a space that um, has, you know, a finite number of companies, there's, I don't know how many. It's a small universe. I mean, we got, there's like 10 large caps. And, you know, the whole, I think the whole market cap of the gold sector is smaller than one of your, right. you know, tech stocks. So rather than buy an ETF or an index, what do you as a portfolio manager do to outperform your index? And again, maybe specific to yours, is it to beat the index on the way up or protect on the way down or, you know, whatever it might be. But mm -hmm. what would give you, um, uh, you know, a, I don't know, a reason to buy something? or reason to sell something and rebalance. What And then yeah. for our listeners and our viewers, again, thank you for tuning in. Please hit the subscribe button, uh, like the podcast, share it with a friend, share it with your family. Together, everyone achieves more. And we're here with uh, Ima Casanova again. Uh, but please, uh, carry on with that thought about if we're investing in the gold uh, and precious metal space, uh, what would be a uh, reason to buy and a reason to sell and to yeah. build your portfolio? So you bring a good point. Point. Obviously, we manage an active 
gold mining fund, and there are uh, products to invest passively through the indices, um, uh, through the ETF. And so what do, what do active managers bring? Um, our, our performance uh, historically speaks to our track record, but I think it's pretty, I'm, I'm an engineer uh, by education. I'm a mechanical engineer. I worked in the resource industry um, and uh, prior to this life in the financial sector. And it's very easy for me to appreciate the complexities of the gold mining sector, or for that matter, any resource sector. And so, what as as active managers, what we bring is um, uh, the head, the lead PM, Joe Foster, is a uh, is a geologist. Uh, I'm an engineer. We have expertise in the in the areas that we invest. And so, what do we bring? We bring the technical expertise to look at. What, what they claim to be a gold mine and decide this will never be a gold mine. The index just buys what it buys, the market cap, the liquidity is there, they put it in the index. We can stock pick and say, where, where is this mine? How big is it? Who is the management? We know the management teams. They have a track record. It's not a huge industry. Where are they going to operate? What part of the world? Uh, what are the technical? Yeah, you get it out of the ground, and then what's the processing required, and what does that cost? So all of, and there's a lot of risks in, in gold mining, which investors should be aware of. It's a risky business. Um, and so understanding those risks is what makes active management valuable. Um, and, and that's how we, we bring that value to the table. Yes, we do our financial models and, of course, valuation models, very detailed models on how much, what production from, for how many years. But it really goes beyond the finances to understanding the sector to be able to pick a winner from a loser, especially at early stage. Do you have a typical holding time? I mean, it could be long time and forever, and you're just you know trimming on. We're we're long-term investors. We stick with companies. We start with small positions, for the riskier earliest stage companies, the developers. If you're adding value, if you're drilling, if you're adding value to your company, we might keep increasing that allocation. Uh, but we're not here just to get in an hour, and make a quick buck. We're here for the long term, and I think investors in general, should be in the gold market for the long term. Okay, well, that's a great segue, Ima, to a part of the show, which is my favorite part of the show. As everyone knows, this is the What Do We Do podcast. But since we have a very special guest on, Ima Casanova, we're going to move to a part of the show we're going to call What Ima Do. Okay, and this is a, uh, a part of the show where I would like you to go back and uh, what would you tell your 18-year-old self or other 18-year-olds out there today about investing in general or specifically investing in precious metals? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. Um, I think, you know, when I think back when I was 18, I was all into academics, career, very much focused on just that part of my life and investing in that part of my life. If I could go back, I would say diversify, not just from an investment perspective, diversify life. And it's funny because the word is precious, but do give attention to the precious things in life. Your kids, your family, your friends, develop relationships in college, so not just about the books and the, the grades. Diversify, pay attention to the things that are precious because your family, for example, are the things that protect you in the times when things don't go right, your career, 
your books, your fancy jobs, that, that doesn't take care of you. It's the same with your portfolio. Uh, diversify, put some precious metals in there because when things go south and the rest of the markets are blowing up, you might find some protection just like you do with your family. Well, even that's fantastic. I'm going to blow it up right here. Booyah. Uh, <laughs> what we say on the show sometimes is uh, be wealthy, healthy, and wise. And as you said, diversify and make sure with your portfolio as well that you do have uh, something that's wise in there, something that's not the uh, investment of the day. I think we also recognize that in this year, which has been challenging, uh, the Worst investments were those ones that were the most speculative and maybe the best investments of last year or the year before, right? So what goes up a lot can come down a lot. Is that fair? Yeah. No, markets are volatile, and it's important. Listen, I'm all for taking risk. I've achieved everything I've achieved in my life because I wasn't afraid to take risk. And investors, especially if they're young, like your audience seems to be, um, they should take risk, and that should be within their tolerance and to look for those higher returns. But it is good to have something in place uh, for a rainy day. Uh, to wrap up the show, would you have um, a allocation amount that should be invested into the gold and precious metal space? And maybe that is for a conservative investor, a modern investor, and an aggressive investor, or maybe it's for a young investor, a middle-aged investor, and we don't call them old investors. We call them, um, what do we call them? We call them wise investors. We call them oh, aged investors. Yes, we call them his historical investors. So uh, with those, what would you say would be an allocation? Yeah. It's the, the, as far as risk tolerance, it goes with, you know, probably your other recommendations regarding risk. The younger you are, um, the more risk you can take generally. Um, and so with that, probably the higher allocation to gold equities you could have. Let's make a difference. Gold and gold equities are two different vehicles. It, gold equities are more risky. Yes, they will give you higher returns, but they carry higher risk. So think about tolerance on those terms. Um, if you want to have gold exposure, um, gauge how, how risky that exposure is by how much of the equities you own. Um, we generally say anywhere from 3 to 5%. Whenever we run the numbers or the people run the numbers on uh, the benefits of gold, I don't think you can really feel the diversification, the risk-adjusted uh, return benefit if you have, you know, less than 3%. But, I mean, tip your toes, you know, do one, do two. I think three to five is sensible. Um, and, again, how you split that between bullion and equities should take into account your, your risk tolerance. Fantastic. For all of our listeners and all of our viewers, again, this is the What Do We Do podcast. And in traditional asset allocation, you have your stocks, you have your bonds, you have your cash, and you have your alternatives. And those might be real estate, certainly gold and precious metals. We've talked before about digital assets, cryptocurrency. You can put cannabis in there. You can put private equity. You can put private credit. You can put all kinds of things from owning fast food franchises to car washes. So within there, again, diversification matters but have small investments, and some of those are not your core investment strategies, and those are your alternatives to stocks, bonds, and cash. Fair enough? Sounds good. Ema, is there anything else that uh, you'd like to say today to wrap up the show? No, let's just uh, watch that gold price, and hopefully it's higher from here. 
Watch the gold price. It'll be higher from here. Well, again, I want to thank you for coming on. Please, a great big booyah to you. And for everyone out there, again, listening, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the What Do We Do podcast. As we always say, uh, live your best life, be radically generous, a great big booyah to ya, and another episode of the What Do We Do podcast, and we're just getting started. The opinions expressed in this program are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It's only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risks and possible loss of principal capital. Please. Seek advice from a licensed professional.